0: My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the Lord be in my heart and on my lips, that I may worthily and fitly proclaim the Holy Gospel in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. My title this uh, morning for my sermon is uh, Signs of Joy. Signs of Joy. Is anybody here besides me kind of tired of Christmas spirit? Am I the only one? Like we're not even at Christmas yet. Like Christmas doesn't even begin until Christmas Eve. We're still in Advent. The rest of the world doesn't know that unless they're Christians, right? But Christmas spirit I'm tired of Christmas spirit. And you might think to yourself, well you're a terrible person and you might be right. I might be a terrible person. But the reason why I say this is because I feel as if this time of year it's kind of bulldozed into our faces. You have to feel good. This is the way you should feel. And if you don't have this feeling of happiness and joy and togetherness and oneness, then we just need to try harder until you pick up that Christmas spirit. Because that's what Christmas is all about. It's kind of circular reasoning, if you think about it. But Christmas spirit is sort of held up as a thing that actually exists, apart from what Christmas... And Advent leading up to Christmas is, is kind of actually all about. And I, I think di- Christmas spirit, this idea of Christmas spirit, is sort of the Disneyfication, if I can call it that, of, of, of Christian joy. Of Christian joy. Like the commodification, the Disneyfication, the, the trying to reduce into the secular what can only really be experienced through the sacred, and I think what popular notions of of Christmas spirit try to do, and this is good, I'm not saying that Christmas spirit is bad, and you need to have some Christmas spirit, but it's groping for something that is not quite graspable, apart from being a part of the body of Christ. Because oftentimes we don't, get the, the, we don't get the happy ending, right? If you, during this time of year, if you watch Lifetime, or, or well not Lifetime, you no one should watch Lifetime, but if you watch Hallmark, maybe, maybe you shouldn't watch Hallmark either. But the, the, the stories are basically all the same. They're all the same. I have a friend who's going to visit his family in a small town in Texas, and I always tell him, watch out for those small town girls when you go to Texas because if you see the movie, you know what's going to happen. You're going to be walking down the street, and you're going to stumble into a girl. She's like a, a yarn, uh, whatever person is who, who sells, like, quilts, and she's going to have, like, a, a store, and you're going to run into her, and then you're from kind of from the city, and she's from the, this little town, and you're going to get together, and you're going to live happily ever after. But... And and I say all this to kind of try to lighten the mood a little bit, brothers and sisters, because I think these movies, in a sense, create false expectations for us. It doesn't actually sit with the realities of pain that people have, particularly around the holidays. And it's good for us around the holidays especially to keep in mind those people who, who maybe don't have that Christmas spirit because... They're going through some really tough situations in their life. Maybe they find themselves alone for the first time. Maybe their family members are gone. And so Christian joy goes beyond the sort of happy Christmas spirit that we're all told that we should have. There's a a quote attributed to the uh, great Gilbert Keith Chesterton, and it goes something like this. Jesus promised his disciples three things. That they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. And you wouldn't think that being absurdly happy, aka joy in its deepest sense, you didn't think that that would be linked with being in constant trouble. Like, I hate trouble. I hate anything about trouble. I hate getting in trouble. I hate... I hate finding out my kids doing dumb things and then they getting in trouble because I don't like to be a disciplinarian. I hate trouble. But the apostles never hesitated from the, uh, the potential fallout of testifying to Jesus as the risen Lord. And when our friends ask about our faith, we can't even sometimes be clear about that because we don't want people to think we're weird. Like, in some ways, I I can't, I I used to be able to do that, but (laughs) not anymore, right? Especially if I'm out and about wearing a clerical. I was at a gas station the other day, and I was wearing a collar because I had done a hospital visit, and the young man behind the counter started telling me about his problems. (laughs) And I'm like, I just want this candy bar. (laughs) Can I take it? I really, uh, no, that's terrible. And I wound up having a really good conversation with him, right? I kind of get out of that. But lots of people, they, they, they don't. And when we see the entire book of Acts, the entire book of Acts is basically the apostles like throwing out their arms and saying, you know, Jesus is Lord, come at me. In Acts 5.41, it says, they, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Rejoicing. Because when we read a little bit deeper into that story, they had just been beaten. Beaten for the sake of Jesus. And then they leave. And then they rejoice that they were counted worthy to being beaten for Jesus' sake. What is the quality of that kind of joy? I'm convinced that that kind of joy is a major part of the Christian life, but we don't experience it oftentimes because we've settled for material happiness in its place. It's a supernatural joy gifted to us. And when we read what we heard Isaiah 7 read, we hear about a virgin-born son being called Emmanuel, God with us. And, And some people around this time of year try to be clever by saying, Well, you know, in the scriptures, the word virgin isn't in the Hebrew. The word in Hebrew is Alma, which means young woman, so the virgin birth is bogus. And I always tell them, but the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which uses older Hebrew manuscripts, is Parthenos, which is virgin. So this objection isn't really new. Now St. Jerome, in the late 300s, is writing about Jewish objections to the virgin birth. So don't worry about people who try and use that as an anti-Christian sort of got you card. The whole point of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 is that this son, being born of a virgin, is Described as a sign for you. A sign for you. St. John Chrysostom notes that a sign is something that differs from the normal way things happen. That is outside the natural manner. A sign is so unusual and unexpected that someone who sees it or hears of it sees that it is out of the ordinary. And he wrote this in the 300s, right? Sometimes we think that the people in the past were dumb and they didn't have the science that we do, so they were kind of stupid and they didn't really know anything about the world, how the world works. Of course, they would believe in something like a virgin birth because they're, you know, they're barely literate. Anyway. He notes, this isn't the normal way things happen. This isn't the way things normally occur. We know how babies are produced. We know how they're made. And what God is going to do is going to do something so unexpected, that that unexpected act, which is outside of the natural order of things, that that act is a sign for you. So when it happens, it's like a giant neon sign pointing down, right?. Eh, eh, eh. And in the reading from Luke, who do the angels appear to? The wise men from the east? Herod? The Roman governor? No. The angels appear to shepherds. Shepherds. That makes absolutely no sense. Jesus is the king, right? He's the Messiah, the anointed one. And when the angels appear, they don't appear to the religious leaders. They don't appear to the, the government. They appear to, to laborers. White-collar guys. Where's a blue-collar? I always get the two mixed up. I'm sorry. Blue-collar. See? I'm so privileged, I don't even know the difference. <laughs> I'm going to hear about that one afterwards. But that's part of my charm. See, I miss it too sometimes up here. Right? The salt of the earth kind of guys. Right? The guys that might be a little bit rough around the edges, but that you would trust more than somebody else. He doesn't appear to the educated. He appears to shepherds. The angels appear to shepherds. And the angel says to the shepherds, this will be something to you, a sign, a sign, right? So just like what we heard in the reading from Isaiah, the birth of this child will be a sign to you. The angels appear to the shepherds and say, this is a sign to you. And if they knew their scripture, which they probably did, They probably would have picked up on that connection with the prophet Isaiah. Something different from the normal way of doing things has happened. Something outside of the natural order. Something unexpected, unlooked for has occurred. They get called to witness the very sign spoken of by Isaiah the prophet. God's heavenly messengers send them on their way not by saying hurry up hurry up get there really quick but by filling the sky itself and singing hymns blessing God. And then we see in the gospel of Luke this idea of being ransomed or in Isaiah 35 this idea of, of being ransomed. The ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy will be upon their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Which is, we should, we should then ask them, well, who are the ransomed of the Lord? Well, the ransomed of the Lord are all of us. In Isaiah's context, the ransomed of the Lord returning to Zion are the exiles. Right, Isaiah is prophesying about the coming exile of the people of God, right? Because they've sinned and they've continually neglected the covenant. And God is going to bring them back and they're going to come back Enjoy, but that's prophetically speaking about. It. it's giving us a picture of the ransom of the Lord, which is all of us. Remember last week, if you were here, or if you listened on the podcast, if you weren't here, I talked about, about the story of salvation, about our own entrance into the story of salvation. This is tied in with that, right? We are the ransomed of the Lord. all of us who have been united to Christ. We are the ransomed of the Lord. And to be ransomed in the scriptures is a reference to our being purchased. To be ransomed from something in the scriptures is, that's what redemption means. That Jesus, through his shed blood, has purchased us. He has bought us. He has remitted us. He has redeemed us from slavery to sin. And this, for us brothers and sisters, is a source of joy. That character of joy that makes Christian joy deeper, truer, eternal. Not because we got what we really wanted for Christmas. But because it comes from a heart transformed by Christ. Because we have been redeemed. We have been ransomed from the thing that enslaves us and grips us at the deepest level. Sin and death. Christ has liberated us, freed us, redeemed us from that. And that is the cause, or that is the source of, of, of where Christian joy, what that springs out of. And I think that joy in our day and age is in very short supply. Not just because it's the holidays, and we have holiday pressure, right, to, to, to look joyful, we have to look happy because everybody else is looking happy. We have to look happy too. But we don't have to be that way. We don't have to pretend to be joyful. We don't have to pretend to be happy during the holidays if things are going wrong. and if things are going bad for you during the holidays. and nobody and you feel alone and you feel tired. You feel like nobody cares? Reach out. Reach out. Call me. Email me. I'll come and sit with you. Have some coffee. We'll talk. Joy is in short supply. Our our culture looks like it's at the precipice. It looks like it's about to disintegrate. We have political parties on the left and on the right. On one hand, on, on the political left, they're fighting within itself to go even further in agendas that erode our values. And on the political right, they're trying to keep us anchored in an imagined, pa- anchored in an imagined past where things were good for everybody. And the political left and the political right, they both, here's the thing, both sides appeal to Christianity. One appeals uh, to the academy and one to To populism. But both sides appeal to Christianity. And Jesus gets thrown around like a weapon. Jesus would have done this. No he wouldn't. Jesus would have done that. There's no joy in that. Because Jesus isn't meant to be used as a weapon. Jesus is the one who brings peace. Joy doesn't come from who wins elections. Joy doesn't come from who owns who on Twitter. Joy doesn't come from who has the strongest memes. Joy comes from Christ. And I I must admit to you, brothers and sisters, that I'm weary of it. I'm weary of it. I'm weary of a church that thinks that political activism is the sum of the Christian life. I'm weary of it. And this is why the church calendar is so necessary. Because even when I want to get distracted, when I want to use Jesus as a weapon from my own point of view, the church calendar grabs me by the hand. And it sometimes has to grab my head and say, pay attention. And it points me this time of year, to this, to the Christ child, the baby in the manger, the God who created the universe. I'll say that one more time. The God who created the universe, everything that exists. I was watching solar system stuff with Isaac the other day because he's really into space shuttles and astronomy. He loves it. The planets, we're talking about Jupiter and the gas giant, there's no ground on Jupiter and how Uranus, the planet is tilted on its, it's kind of, la- it's like the lazy planet, it just kind of sleeps on its side because that's, it, it, that's how it spins, right? All of that, the stars, the moon, the beautiful rings of Saturn, all of that, the God who created all of that takes on human flesh The uncontainable God. The uncontainable God is contained by the womb of the virgin. And that's what we what we need to continue to do is to turn our heads to Christ. Because Christ is the foundation and the basis of our joy. And in some sense, there's a future aspect to that. Because... When we talk about what we heard in Isaiah, I'll read it one more time. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing everlasting. Joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Right? So I already talked about us being the, the, the redeemed and the ransom of the Lord. But one thing that we have to keep in mind is Zion in the scriptures is a reference to heaven. It's a reference to heaven, our final state our resurrected final state where heaven and earth are joined together. It's in Revelation. Right? But heaven and earth joined together, human beings resurrected and living with God forever. Right? That's, that's our Christian, I guess we could say, future. Right? So what Isaiah is anticipating isn't just the coming of Jesus, right? But what the coming of Jesus will do for us. So in a sense... That joy from the future that hasn't happened yet. Because Christ has not come again. His second advent has not come. So we're in this in-between time as we were in living after his first advent waiting for his second one. But the joy from his second one, it's almost as if it's retroactive. It's almost as if it's reaching back into the past because this is something that awaits us. So that joy from future where we're united together with God, is something that we then are experiencing right now in our own present time, and our own present day and age. Is that the joy from the future, that's to come, is, a, is the quality of joy that we are given to experience now in anticipation for, in anticipation of, the joy we will experience in the age to come. And I think that itself is a sign. Because in secular terms, that's not how joy works. Christian joy, I think, is itself a sign in that it is not dependent upon the natural order of things. Our joy, ultimately, is grounded in Christ. It's rooted in Christ. We experience it through Christ because we have been ransomed by Christ and so if you're struggling today or if you struggle around the holidays with this lack of joy I would encourage you to turn your eyes to Jesus that even if you don't feel it it's there and 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 I don't think that joy is something that we have to fake. To, like even when we don't feel happy, I think we could still have joy. Do you think the disciples were happy that they got beaten? No. Why? Because I don't know about you. If you've ever been in a fight, getting beaten hurts. It hurts. I used to do Taekwondo. I wasn't very good at it. So when we would spar, I get hit a lot. It's hard to do Taekwondo while you're wearing glasses. It hurts. It didn't make me happy getting hit during sparring. But there was something about it. I could, feeling myself getting better, my legs getting stronger, being able to do my stances correctly, being able to get my kicks just a little bit higher. I'm not, this is, it's an imperfect example, right? It doesn't mean, oh, I'm joyful now because I'm a fraction of a a fraction better in Taekwondo than I was like a month ago, (laughs) It's an imperfect picture, but I think that's how Christian joy kind of functions. Is that even if we don't feel happy and we don't have to try to make ourselves feel happy to make ourselves feel better or to make other people feel better, we can be open and honest. There's something about Christian joy that's restful. Knowing where it comes from. Not having to fake it till we make it. And I pray, brothers and sisters, that the joy of Christ would fill you. I pray that the joy of Christ this Christmas season would be something that you experience. Because let's be honest, these past two years have been really, really tough. They've been really tough on a lot of us. And so I pray that that joy from the future that reaches out to us, to our present. As we begin to move into the future, into 2022, I pray that that joy would be something that we experience that grounds us and gives us strength and energy to bear what the coming years will bring. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to GoFundMe.com slash Zions Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, Feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.